Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you? Uh, welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself, a podcast brought to you by uh, two guys who have made the switch at 1140 in the morning from water to beer. Uh, I will have you know that I'm drinking a tangerine LaCroix, but when I reached it in the fridge, it was right next to a pineapple IPA I have, and it took every bit of... I actually looked at the clock. I'm like, it's 11 something. I'm like, oh, I can't be drinking a beer at 11 a.m. It's Saturday, uh, though. It's brunch. I, I know. Well, that's... Yeah, but I'm not at a restaurant. Brunch rolls. Oh, no, you can't go to a restaurant. We're in the middle of a pandemic, Matt. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I'm on the same page. It's yeah. bedroom just, brunch. <laughs> I, I would go and grab that beer if I just didn't open up this tangerine LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a do you have a bottle of vodka in reach? Yeah, I don't I have a bottle of shitty uh, white rum. It's very bad. <laughs> when you went to school, uh, I believe you're you're one of those people that went to school and then got a job doing what you went to school for, more or less. Uh, I, I would say it's debatable. Uh, you're talking about college and grad yeah. school? So I have a bachelor's in I government. Went to, world I went Affairs. to kindergarten and then I got out and I got a job yeah. as a as a blocks guy. Uh, I used my degree in shapes. I got a PhD <laughs> in shapes because I went I repeated kindergarten three times. So I was able to get a PhD in shapes. Yeah, I went, I went on to work for the Trump administration. I could tell them which colors were good and which colors were bad. Oh, you could tell them what the shape of the of the of the holding facility f- to separate the kids were. Oh, that's a trapezoid. Yeah. Let's <laughs> um, no. Um, yeah. No, I went to college. I got a degree in government world affairs, which is essentially political science. All right. And then I got a ma- and then I got a master's in political science. Uh, and then I moved to Washington, D.C., hoping to do policy work and uh, f- found out that was it's exceptionally hard to break into. But I did f- I did fall into journalism. So it's debatable whether political science really connects directly to journalism. OK, when I got out of college, I, I graduated with a degree in classics and ancient Mediterranean studies with an archaeology focus. I went on to work in various archaeological research roles at the uh Penn Museum and uh, as a member of a Penn State affiliated dig in Akko, Israel. What a nerd. (laughs) Nerd nerd alert. Kind of. I actually came across a question that really intrigued me on a professional level. Uh, The question is, did ancient people used to masturbate to statues and paintings? Um, wow. I think that one's easy because number number one, great question. Number two, I think people are doing that today. So they definitely did it like when when that was like opening up Hustler was like looking at a statue. I literally cannot think of a single thing that I cannot imagine somebody masturbating to. Oh, yeah. If it exists, there's someone jerking off. Yeah, that's rule 34. Internet. Yeah. So for those of you not familiar with Internet rule number 34, that is if something exists, there's porn of it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say that there's some pretty strong evidence, uh, not the least of which being my teenage years. Um, (laughs) I I think this is clearly asked by somebody who grew up in a world where actually anime fan on prom night is their name. 
Who's the? Oh, that that that's, that's the name the of the, that's the name of the, the user. The, the red. Uh, so, okay. anime fan on prom night, I think, might have been born <laughs> into a world where digital pornography was readily accessible. Uh, us elder millennials, yeah. the uh, vanguards of the digitally savvy generations, uh, we grew up in a world where pornography was still largely a print medium. I remember just like you know. Mom, if you're listening to this, sorry, but I, I remember just like, you know, getting magazines from like friends at school and taking it home and hiding it in my closet and uh-huh. only taking that out when when when, when, when I you, read, to, when you wanted something. to read the articles. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, yeah, I'm, that's how I fell into journalism. I was <laughs> kind of I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I'm totally trying to do this. <laughs> like, dear hustler. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to a porn star, I was eight. A, excuse me, a, a porn, a porn shop, not a porn star. The first time I went to a porn shop, I was 18 and I, I went with my buddy from high school and we went and it was I think about it now and it is like that is a forgotten time. I feel like it, now when people want porn, they just they log in on their computers, you know, yeah. and you don't have to go to a brick and mortar place anymore. I think it's, it's a little antiquated, if you will. I remember the first pornographic image I saw on the Internet. Wow. Can you describe it in vivid detail? I cannot. I can only describe the process. I was okay. over at no, my. I don't, I don't want to hear about that. I want. <laughs> uh, so first of all, I want to. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to use any last names here, mostly because I don't remember this kid's last name. But there's this kid, Brian. We went to. We were at his house after school, and he pulled up a pornographic image in a browser on a computer. And I remember waiting for it to load line by line. Each row, oh boy! Each oh row, boy. waiting for the big Building reveal. Suspense. And then, of course, <laughs> yeah. you're sitting there. You're, you're sitting there with another eighth grader, and you're like, "Okay, well, that's cool and subversive that we did that. Now let's do yeah. something else." <laughs> it, it is so weird being in like a teenager, and you're just like, I mean, some things that uh, something that I did. I don't want to speak for all all dudes, but like something you do is you you just you you get together with your friends, look at the stuff, and you're just like awkwardly. You both know you guys have boners at the same time. You don't talk. You don't talk about it, and you're just like, oh well, cool. Hey, do you want to play Risk? Like what comes <laughs> after that, right? Like. <laughs> I, I think in the scenario that I laid out, there were there were no boners involved, but there there were I think in high in the high school teenage years certainly communal situations where there were boners involved. I yeah. mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo your experience. No, please don't. Unless um, I wasn't I wasn't into that at that age. I'll no. just say that. <laughs> but you grew into it over time, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm not saying that either. No, um, say no more. Yeah. Say no more. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, those of you at home is. or in your car on a commute. Or slowly masturbating in the corner. Uh, Matt. Either way, we appreciate you listening. I don't care what you're doing. Matt did give me a sly wink when he said he wasn't into that. Uh, So our email is wreckyourpod at gmail.com. You can send Matt all. I'm probably going to be the one that checks the email. Don't do that. Never mind. Dude. Just slip into his DMs. People are going to do this anyway. We shouldn't give them. We shouldn't lower the barrier to that. I forgot what the question was. We're just talking. Did ancient people used to masturbate to statues and paintings? Uh, As far as absolutely. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Based on our personal experience. But there's also plenty of historical evidence for that. Any DNA historical? No, I don't know that there's any DNA. We, We can't say for certain. 
that any particular piece of art was used in, in some sort of masturbation scheme. But we do have plenty of examples of erotic art that predates photography. Certainly, erotic drawings were a big deal, particularly after the invention of the printing press. One of the first things people do when they discover a new medium is turn it into porn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, um, you know, I remember when, when the iPhone was, was, was getting big and what was driving the technology of the iPhone is how fast people could like watch porn on the subway. Right. Like th- <laughs> that was really, I mean, seriously, like, um, technology was driven. People were like, man, how can we, how can we stream an entire porn video on your, on your phone off the cell phone network? And that really dr- did drive the technology race. If you, if you call it, I'm not sure, but it's actually, Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Masturbate anytime, anywhere through the magic of 5G. You know, if that was going around and if that was going on in 2008, it was definitely going on in year eight. You know, also, too, a few years ago, I remember reading that, like, the Chinese government were sending uh, viruses through porn, like through, through uh, porn websites and just kind of infecting everyone's computers. And I just want to be the one guy at the NSA whose job is to look through all this shit and try <laughs> to find. Is there a gay porn division or is it just, hey, you've got to look at all the porn and it's like, hey, we, we've noticed your workload's been skewing towards particular genres, and we need you to look at all the porn. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, well, that's the stuff that that's the stuff that you really need to look at because that's got all the viruses in it. <laughs> uh, I, I think the other examples that we have, uh, archaeologists have uncovered a brothel in Pompeii, which was almost perfectly preserved by the volcanic ash. And there are erotic images around the like painted on the walls as if uh, most likely these are advertisements. Like when you walk into a Chinese restaurant and they have pictures of all the plates up there and they're just yeah, numbered. Yeah. And you, you walk into this brothel and you go, I want a number V. <laughs> 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 uh, it's uh, you, you got me with that one. No, uh, that's fu- that, that's really funny. Okay, do we know how much it cost? Well, like, what was the going rate? Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't even know. What, I don't even know what currency they use in Pompeii. Uh, well, it would have been clamshells. No, it would have been, uh, I believe, a, a, a either a talent or a denarius. But I am by no means an expert, so yeah. I will I will bow out of that conversation. And just say, I, yeah. I, I'm not a pneumonologist. I don't know enough about Roman coinage. I feel like um, we have established that y- you are an authority on porn, but not on what you went to school for. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting. Is what I'm getting from. <laughs> Definitely spent more time. I don't know if you have any student loans, but if you can get a refund on that. <laughs> uh, one of the things I did study in school, I have a degree in Asian studies also, uh, primarily Asian history, which qualifies me to talk a little bit about uh, Tokugawa era erotic prints. Hot. That's another example of a pre-digital, pre-photographic genre. Pre-digital, but using your digits, if you know yeah. what I mean. Pre-digital, <laughs> but no, we're not leaving any digits out, if you know what I mean. hey oh hey So you have, uh, actually, Tokugawa era, uh, so they had printing presses and a... What country form- is this? What modern country are we talking oh, about? Oh, Japan. Okay, all right. I didn't uh, know don't, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did, did you not know the history of the Tokugawa Tokugawa shogunate. Uh, I used to work for a Japanese newspaper, and you'll be surprised to learn that did not come up in the interview. Well, I'm sure if you dropped Tokugawa Ieyasu's name, they'd have been very impressed, and maybe you wouldn't have had to get a different job because they would have promoted you. There was no way I was getting promoted. I'll, I'll tell you that right now um, <laughs> at that place. But, and let's just say it was, a, it was a good career move. I'll leave it at that. Okay. To, 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 a good career move to, to leave is what I'm trying to say. I, I bring <laughs> this up because this was a, a sort of popular, like almost a middle class form of art. People would buy these erotic 
print. And this is back when, uh, sexually speaking, Japan was a little bit more loosey goosey. They tightened up after the Meiji period. Mm. I know and, what that and, is. I do know what the Meiji period yeah, is. Yeah. So during the during the period of what we would describe as like Japanese Westernization and, and exploration yeah. of Western culture, uh, they tightened up a lot of their social mores to conform with European expectations with the goal of being taken seriously on the world stage and not being viewed as inferior to European powers. And to some extent, they were actually really successful in that convincing European powers that that they were a force to be taken seriously. One of the main factors in that is them just absolutely waxing the Russians in the uh, Russo-Japanese War in 1904, which ultimately determined who would get control in Korea. So I think the existence of popular forms of pornographic material indicate that people did masturbate to statues and paintings. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like did not need a degree in archaeology to know that. Is there anyone that like concentrates on this research question? Is there someone who's like, I want to know what the fuck ancient Greeks were jerking off to? Like, is there, is there, is there, who's the authority on, on, on this? Is there, is there someone or is this, is this, is there a gap that needs to be filled? Yeah, uh, absolutely. There is significant scholarship. Um, I would recommend uh, contacting an archaeologist named Brandon Olson and Brandon. ask him all of your archaeological masturbation questions. And I know it's going to sound like a related topic, like we're like almost like we're, we have a theme for today. Uh, Kentucky meat showers. <laughs> is that a question? Kentucky meat showers? Well, you know what? The answer if the question is Kentucky meat showers, the answer is always yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Kentucky meat showers. Matt and I were both stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And so while this might sound like some sort of autobiographical question that we that we've been asking ourselves for the last 12 years, the Kentucky meat shower is not what happened at the uh, at the Fort Campbell gyms. <laughs> no, no. A Kentucky meat shower is what we called a Tuesday. <laughs> It was just like, you know, part of the it was part of the thing. So there I was doom scrolling my Facebook page and I came across a tweet from Wikipedia or quite uh, or quite interesting facts on Twitter that said that today is the 124th anniversary of the Kentucky meat shower. When chunks of meat fell from the sky and still nobody knows why. Uh, wow. Yeah, this was published on 3320. So this would be the 125th anniversary, a more auspicious date. I would say um, I have not heard of this, but I have heard of it raining fish in places because the water spurts kind of suck up uh, fish in the ocean or bodies of water and dump them in like towns near the water. So I, I have heard of that. Right. And explicitly be raining fish. I assume it has. Was there like a tornado? Was there some sort of natural disaster? No, clear skies as far as anybody. uh Anybody has brought up, which is part of what makes it so difficult to determine a cause. I'm going to read you an excerpt. Uh, this is actually from the New York Times. OK, uh, this Legit. was published March 10th. So about a week after the event in 1876. Oh, wow. Flesh descending in a shower, an astounding phenomenon in Kentucky. Fresh meat like mutton or venison falling from a clear sky. Special dispatch to the New York Times, Louisville, March 9th. The Bath County News of this date today, uh, says... On last Friday, a shower of meat fell near the house of Alan Crouch, who lives some two or three miles from the Olympian Springs in the southern portion of the county, covering a strip of ground about 100 yards in length and 50 wide. Mrs. Crouch was out in the yard at the time engaging in making soap when meat, which looked like beef, began to fall around her. The sky was perfectly clear at the time, and she said it fell like large snowflakes, the pieces as a general thing not being much larger. One piece fell near her, which was three or four inches square. Mr. Harrison Gill, whose veracity is unquestionable and from whom we obtained the above facts, 
hearing of the occurrence, visited the locality the next day and says he saw particles of meat sticking to the fence, scattered over the ground. The meat, when it first fell, appeared to be perfectly fresh. The correspondent of the Louisville commercial writing from Mount Sterling corroborates the above and says the pieces of flesh were of various sizes and shapes, some of them being two inches square. Two gentlemen who tasted the meat expressed the opinion that it was either mutton or venison. Um, two things here. Number one, I just woke up because <laughs> I, I, you kind of lost me after the fourth paragraph. Um, it's OK. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely get. OK, so did, did, no one ever found out why. So uh, there are a variety of theories. Uh, this is not long after the invention of dynamite. So there's always the okay. possibility that somebody was just blowing shit up in their backyard. Someone um, was just sticking dynamite in places they shouldn't and uh-huh. seeing what happens. Yeah. Various people close to the event identified it as being as tasting like either bear, venison, mutton. But the uh, favorite explanation is that the meat was vomited up by buzzards. Oh, that that makes sense, honestly. Yeah, so um, there is apparently a self-defense mechanism that uh, vultures have where if they are startled, they will reflexively throw up whatever they're eating uh, as they as they fly away. So it's entirely possible that a what a vultures gathering is that a murder or is that after the murder? Is it is it a funeral of vultures? That's funny. Um, <laughs> I feel like that, that that's a play right. off a of murder of crows. I think it's a John Grisham book. And I think it's a movie that Cuba Gooding Jr. starred in. It's a great movie, by the way. Oh, um, can't be better than radio. A murder of crows. is Pretty good. I, I think that makes total sense. Also, my self-defense mechanism isn't totally different. Anytime someone threatens to kick my ass, um, I just start pissing my pants because you, you don't I mean, you don't want to touch someone who's got like urine soaked pants. So I feel like it's just one way to get out of that. America's heroes right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I learned. That's what I learned in seer school is <laughs> the uh, the vulture explanation is the only one that seems to have held up over time. Uh, it explains why there's meat in the air. It explains so pe- people ate uh, vomit from vultures. Possibly. But I mean, it was the 1800s. It's not like they had refrigerators. Yeah, they, 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 that's true. They put it in the did they have ice boxes back in the day? Probably not. Not, not I mean, not uh, at the time, it would probably be, you know, stored river ice uh, or even Wait, imported what? river ice. At, the, at that time, there was a there's a significant ice trade. So they'd go up to the Great Lakes and, and carve out huge blocks of ice and then transport them by train and ship to other locations for refrigeration. I feel like that's why uh, historically beer companies are in Milwaukee, St. Louis, Michigan, other places where they have a lot of ice. It's interesting that you should mention that. So early, early beer companies did pop up around those areas. But I think the bigger factor was the influx of German, German immigrants yeah. in the mid 1800s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All those all those Midwestern breweries, you know, Anheuser-Busch, uh, even Miller, Miller yeah. were founded originally by German immigrants. Schlitz, if you will, too. Schlitz. Yeah, Schlitz, uh, Schlitz, Pabst. All so the good ones. All the all the all the really good high dollar college brews that you know and yeah. love. Yep. This event's interesting. I, I love the idea of meat falling from the uh, from the sky. What's interesting, though, nine days later. Uh oh. Right on March 12th, 1876, red corpuscles with a vegetable appearance fell over London. So there's also the possibility that this meat storm actually occur- occurred over a larger weather pattern. Yeah. Yeah. I th- that, 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 that is nuts. I How fast can vultures fly? I think that well, would that, be... Well, that's just it, though. That would seem to, like, yeah. if, if these events are related, wouldn't that disqualify the vultures? 
because vultures aren't going yeah. to get high enough up into the sky to end up in the jet stream. Yeah. Some other no, yeah. some other explanations that I've seen attributed to this uh, to this event are that perhaps a bird was hit by a meteor falling to the earth. But that wouldn't explain the volume of meat like it's and, uh, and it also wouldn't explain why it's in London and Louisville. Yeah. So the. Uh, the meat was described as flattened and dry in appearance. So it, it's jerky, jerky. It could have been jerky, too. What if we're what if we're trying to figure out a mystery where the, the simplest solution is just humans messing around? Uh, could it be that some somebody in Kentucky got bored and started and decided to play a trick on somebody? Yeah. Um, can you imagine being the reporter and like, hey, man, we need you to cover the story. What? So meat fell in Kentucky. We need you to f- check it out. This is like hard hitting Pulitzer Prize winning journalism. That's when the three wise men came from the east and they gathered. They gathered in the small Kentucky manger and witnessed the birth of Mitch McConnell, who emerged in the world in a horrific meat explosion and declared himself an eldritch monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's really interesting. And again, like I said, um, it just reminds you of like places where fish are raining down, which I think definitely happened in England and it has happened in the United States. as uh-huh. well. And I, I've so. heard of it happening with frogs. Also, there are so many just weird natural phenomena that could potentially explain this. There are human phenomena that could explain this. Yeah. But if we are going to ask the ask any hard questions about this one is did this happen i think evidence absolutely suggests that this is an actual event that was reported on at the time yeah absolutely yeah now whether it was a hoax back then is another question that is probably uh too far gone to answer there are examples like this meat still exists there are samples of this meat that exist yeah, so I actually looked into uh, the meat shower analysis, uh, if you will. Uh, scientists ended up taking seven samples, and what they were confirmed to find, that uh, two confirmed to be lung tissue, uh, three of which were muscular tissue, okay. and the other two were made out of cartilage. So you think um, maybe maybe something coughed up a lung? Well, I mean, quite literally, yeah. It, um, it, it definitely part of lung, you know, muscular tissue, cartilage. This is animal products that by and large you don't find a whole lot in like meat products you definitely find muscle but you don't find you better not be finding lung tissue or cartilage unless you're having haggis or something like that oh well i mean you got to use the whole buffalo dude yeah but i'm saying americans don't definitely not kentuckians in 1876 but i would say that that leads me to believe that it is vulture vomit i mean you can just imagine a buzzard or um the species of vulture that are just chowing down on some roadkill um, actually, uh, and, and then the theory goes is that they might have uh, projectile vomited it like they're on The Exorcist or something. Yeah, well, here's here's where I'm actually going to uh, offer a counter explanation to that. Ooh, I like it. Because the fact that it's lung tissue uh, makes me think that this is a man-made occurrence as opposed to a natural one. Well, I I have to dip, push back on there on you there because um, of the two species of vultures that are found in Kentucky, uh, they are both known to projectile vomit. Right? There's only two species; they're both known to do it. And scientists think it's either a defense mechanism, uh, not unlike pissing your pants to get out of getting your ass kicked, uh, or um, you know to make yourself light enough to flight if you have to get the hell out of there. Right? Um, so I think I think. Uh, they're not exactly wasting food, but I think it is a natural. Fo- I, I come on down on the side that it's a natural phenomena, if not gross and kind of hilarious that this happened. I'm going to disagree with you because Ooh. and I've got okay. 
I have reasons because there's a couple of things. I, I was aware that they had conducted some meat analysis, but because they couldn't test all of the meat, who's to say that all of the meat came from that part of the animal? But the fact that all they did find was organ meat, it would have been the least valuable byproduct yeah. of human agricultural activity. Yeah. So that's that's what makes me think that this is somebody goofing off with waste product, basically. Well, it, it could be, but they did find muscular tissue there. I just think for me, Occam's razor, it just makes more sense that buzzers gorge themselves and then somehow had to get rid of what they just ate. But again, it says Kentucky we're talking about. So it could be just, you know, someone messing around with some dynamite in the woods. You got to remember, man, these people did not have cable television, <laughs> but they did have dynamite and they had dynamite and horse lawn. Animal products. Yeah, you get access to animal products. They had a lot of time on their hands, and there's nothing more hilarious than making it rain meat on your neighbor. Well, since we're, yeah, right. Since we're talking about it raining meat, I think it's a good time to talk about, uh, there are several cases here of cetaceans, whales specifically, exploding both naturally and unnaturally. And we have one really great case here. There was a sperm whale that beached itself in Florence, Oregon in 1970. By the way, have you noticed all the cool stuff that is done in Oregon? The dog bars, exploding whales. So whales have exploded before due to gases that build up in a de decomposing carcass. It's like, it's like a ticking time bomb of blubber and I guess some oil, right? Yeah. Uh, it was there for three days. It, it stunk like shit. And they were just trying to find of creative ways to get rid of it. So the Oregon Department of Transportation put 20 cases of dynamite in this whale and blew the fucker to high heaven. If my math is correct, that's about a half ton of dynamite. I think the Oregon story is really interesting because there was one military veteran, allegedly, who went to the engineer in charge of exploding the whale. And he said, you know what? I have some experience with explosives. You're using too much goddamn dynamite. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you have to wonder, like, how much dynamite does the Oregon Department of Transportation have? Maybe to, like, blast holes in mountains to build a road or something. But how, I mean, can you imagine just the, the one state bureaucrat who just got to have the most fun day at work ever? <laughs> Unless he had to actually shovel in the dynamite. I'm not sure which orifice they put it in, but yeah. you can imagine which one it was. The fallout of this event is nice. pretty hilarious. Yeah, because um, it's, it's whale. It's whale chunks. That's the fallout. Well, it's literal. Yeah, it's literal whale fallout. But they blew this. They blew this whale up. It rained whale blubber for like a quarter mile around the location, all over the crowd that had gathered to watch the demolition of the whale. A piece of whale blubber fell out of the sky and literally crushed a car. It was 1970s. No they, didn't, they didn't know how much dynamite they needed to blow up the whale. Do you think these people just had like ponchos like they're in the front row of the Shamu show in Orlando, <laughs> Florida? Probably not. <laughs> that's one of those things. That's that's not one of those things you prepare yourself for. It's like, yeah, we're going to the beach to watch the whale explode. Like, we're going oh, to the whale blowing today. Is there is there something we should do? Uh, should we bring anything? I don't know. Champagne? What? Yeah, bring some. Bring yeah, there's some no beer. context for this. <laughs> Have you heard about exploding casket syndrome? It is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, there is there is no subtlety about this. So I've not heard of exploding casket syndrome. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. So please do that a corpse placed inside of a casket that is then airtight begins to decompose, releasing gases, which causes the casket to expand. 
beyond its structural capacity and it explodes. Yeah, I mean, I definitely gave you the answer when I said it. it's exa- it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, the exploding casket syndrome is exactly what you said. It's it's essentially what happens when decomposition doesn't get enough space. I like to think that this is what happens when clowns die so they get one last <laughs> laugh. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. You put 30 of them in one casket. Yo, uh, really clown car situation. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, if we if we can end on clowns exploding, I think we had done our job today. If you're in your backyard, meat starts falling on your head. Uh, you know what to do. Give us a call. We'll come out. We'll investigate. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Wreck Your Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a really cool Gmail account, wreckyourpod at gmail.com. Please send us your listener gripes, complaints, and other feedback. Yeah, if you know something about these topics that we don't know, or if we miss something extraordinarily important, write an email about it. Yeah, I kind of hate that I don't have access to this account. I Well, we'll work on that. Uh, all right. It, it's a future. It's a future problem for future Matt. Not it's a future Matt. problem for yeah. future Matt. Big thanks to Rick Reynolds for the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress. You can find him on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere else you're shopping for MP3s. But you may be able to see Rick Reynolds playing live soon in a socially distanced environment or in post pandemic world. Or a part of the world that's adequately handled the outbreak. He has, I'm sure, an Australian passport, so he can go anywhere. I swear, he is an Australian guy, right? He is an Australian guy, yep. He's from Down Under. So if you find yourself staring at your social media, wondering whether or not to share something, and you don't have time to wait for us to circle back around for another episode next week, we encourage you to take the time to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart And it won't change till we change We are, but we won't Oh